On today's episode of Locked On Mariners, let's look to the rest of the baseball world and collectively say, we told you so. Plus, Colby's got player comps for some of the Mariners' day two draft picks, and we're going to revisit Seattle's chances of landing Juan Soto. Do we think it's possible? Stay tuned to find out. Colby, hit it. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Locked On Mariners podcast. It is Tuesday, July 19th, 2022. It is the All-Star Game. Thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms with new episodes every Monday through Friday. I am your host, Tidy Gonzalez, joined as always by my co-host, Colby Patnode. We cover the Mariners over at InsideTheMariners.com for Fan Nation over on the Sports Illustrated Network. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. Follow Inside the Mariners at Inside Mariners. You can follow me at Dan Gonzalez, that's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z, and Colby at CPAT11, that's C-P-A-T-1-1. Be sure also check out our patreon over at patreon.com forward slash control the zone we post two additional podcasts on there every single week that again that is patreon.com forward slash control the zone and if this is your first time joining us here on the locked on mariners podcast welcome to the show if you like what you hear give us a follow or subscribe wherever you're listening to this and if you're watching us on youtube hit the subscribe button turn on the notification bell and give this video a thumbs up we greatly appreciate it we're not going to spend this entire segment bashing the home run derby um structure if you will the rules i'm not right let's let's just let's just be real about it while the rule is dumb the way that it is structured is dumb it should just be that whoever hits the most home runs wins in the end julio did lose in the structure of the derby and that's that. So I'm not going to go here with, some, you know, I'm not going to come at you with some crazy conspiracy theories or anything like that, though. It did seem like Kyle Schwarber did get a little, uh, a little screwed there in his round. But we're not going to focus on that. We're going to focus on how great Julio's night truly was. The guy hits the second most home runs in a home run derby ever. 82 right behind Vladimir Guerrero's 91 it was spectacular he hit 63 in the first two rounds he beat the defending champion Pete Alonso and just barely got edged out by Juan Soto in the final round but Colby this was a truly truly special performance by Julio Rodriguez how special was it though would have been more special if Major League Baseball hadn't screwed him here's my conspiracy theory um <laughs> No, but uh, like you mentioned, second most home runs hit in an individual derby. Um, probably would have had more, but somehow Julio didn't hit two home runs that went 440 feet in the last round. Yeah, okay. Uh, but he is already the he already has the eighth most home runs in home run derby history, like career totals. Like Pete Alonso is number one by a pretty wide margin. Julio has participated in one, and he is eighth most all time uh so sounds like he's probably going to do it next year assuming he's healthy and i i, I would guess he's going to do it a couple more times uh there's a good chance julio might be the the best home run derby hitter of all time we'll have to wait and see how next year goes um but right now he's already eighth which is just insane for one derby um and you know i found this interesting because uh griffey is like the king of the home run derby 
people say home run derby, they think of Griffey and they think of like Alonzo. Like those are the two best of all time. Uh, Griffey won three. He hit 70 total. Julio hit 81 last night hmm. in his first derby. <laughs> so Julio Rodriguez already has more home runs in the home run derby than Griffey had in all three that he won. So uh, it was a pretty special night um, for Julio. Again, I, the whole reseeding thing is is obvious, and, and it's dumb that, that Juan Soto gets to hit 53 and beat a guy who hit 81. But, uh, hey, you know, Major League Baseball, dumb rules kind of go hand in hand. So can't say that I'm that surprised. But uh, this does have a feel to it kind of like, you remember when, when Hamilton went off at Yankee Stadium yep. and he hit like yep. 28 or whatever? Do you remember who won that derby? Uh, because it wasn't Hamilton, and nobody yeah, cares. Yeah, I know. I know it wasn't Josh Hamilton, but uh, who was it? I don't remember. It though. was Justin Morneau. Oh, right. So, so this kind of has that feel where it's like, yes, there. He didn't win the Derby, but he won the Derby. And, and by um, the way, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. when he hit ninety one, he didn't win either. <laughs> yeah. So obviously, the system is broken. Uh, surprise! The All Star an All Star game activity is broken. Who would have guessed? Every Mariner fan ever. But uh, yeah, Julio stole the show last night. So uh, change those rules. Let Julio go second. I think if you beat every opponent you face by ten plus home runs, you get to dictate the rules. Uh, that that's fair. That's reasonable. And any any system where somebody hits eighty one home runs. And the other guy hits 53 and you're like, well, I guess the guy who hit 53 was just a better home run hitter mm. is the dumbest thing you can possibly think of. But uh, Julio, you know, it was kind of, you know, I think most people know about Julio. I think they understand how talented he is. But last night was kind of that like, like we talk about, you know, is Julio going to get MVP votes and people look at us like, no, of course he's not. You don't think last night's performance helps put him on that map? I think you're crazy. So um, I think last night, and you know, a nice bonus is that as runner up, he did win $750,000, which is $50,000 more than his entire salary for this year. So it's still a a nice consolation prize. It's just dumb that that Julio hit like 28 more home runs than Juan Soto and lost. Yeah. What kind of system is that? Yeah. Julio put on a heck of a show and mm-hmm. i mean if it if this wasn't already the case heading in to the all-star break he's cemented himself as a superstar now and whether you and i up here you know think the home run derby is worth anything or not right it, ultimately it's glorified batting practice to me it is it was it was fun last night i had a good time watching it but at the end of the day it's not a huge thing for me but the home run derby is where s- stars are made Right? Even guys that are not necessarily tops in F4, et cetera, get star recognition because of what they do in the Derby, if they have success in the Derby. Pete Alonso isn't one of the best, you know, top 10 best players in baseball, but he's kind of a star because of what he's done in the Derby. Right? He's kind of a household name. Julio Rodriguez, if he wasn't already, became a household name last night. Yep. And it also helps that he did it in L.A., in Hollywood, mm-hmm. in front of a ton of celebrities, ton of athletes, et cetera. I mean, did you see... All the folks that came out on Twitter last night talking about Julio Rodriguez, talking about a Seattle Mariner. We're talking Steph Curry, Donovan Mitchell. The list goes on and on and on. Like, I mean, the world is taking notice of Julio Rodriguez. I could be upset that he chose not to wear any Mariners gear while he was doing this, but 
you know. <laughs> no, it uh, it was great, man. It, it was. I saw a bunch of uh, like NBA stars, like they tweeting at Julio and all that stuff, and and um, you know it, that that is different. Like, when's the last time? Do you think before last year, LeBron James could name a single Seattle Mariner? No, no, of course he couldn't. Neither could Steph Curry. They don't care. Uh, but Julio is is that kind of talent where uh, people care now and. You know, I know there's a lot of negative connotation about like bandwagon fans and like people who yeah. only join your fan base because it's trendy. We see the Seahawks, a lot of older Seahawks fans complain about that. That's great. That's what you want. You want mm-hmm. those people to be interested in your product because you're going to keep a handful of them. Even mm-hmm. if you only keep 5% of the, the newcomers who are just here to watch Julio, that's 5% more of the population you get to take money from. And you get yeah. to put back into your ballpark. That's more people coming to your games, and that's more people, you know. So, well, in, yeah, in I, general, too, it grows the game, right? Yeah, like in theory, in theory, at least you would think that seeing someone like Julio, a young kid who just smiles, loves to have the game, has a ton of fun playing the game, crushes dingers, like does all the fun stuff, right? He mm-hmm. does. He checks every single box. I mean, if if you don't have a favorite player right now. Why isn't it Julio Rodriguez? It probably became Julio Rodriguez last night, yeah. honestly. Like probably. So I many mean, people last night probably got introduced to Julio Rodriguez and that's a that's a beautiful thing. And a lot of people probably became huge fans of Julio Rodriguez last night. And that's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. It's great for Julio. It's great for his brand. It's great for his marketability. MLB hopefully we'll take this and run with it because Julio has the potential to be the face of this league. Yeah. I mean, I'll just, I'll just wrap up the conversation by saying this. I can't believe major league baseball looked at Julio Rodriguez and all that he does and all that he represents. And he, they put him up next to Byron Buxton and was like, Byron Buxton deserves to start in center field for the all-star game. Right. What are we doing? I love Byron Buxton, by the way. Whatever. Whatever. But it's not even like whatever. He plays for a minute. I love Buxton. He is not having a better year than, than Julio. Not close. Not close at all. And if it's just about, no. well, we got to get the stars in there. That's why Pujols got invited and all that stuff. Julio should be hitting leadoff and playing center field. Like he is the yeah. star. So mm-hmm. yeah. Major League Baseball doing the right thing and marketing Julio effectively. I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, because they are technically fumbling the bag already by not starting him in the All-Star game. That, uh, it's a terrible decision. He should be starting, especially after last night. Like, that's just, like, really? We're going to roll out an outfield of John Carlos Stanton, Byron Buxton, and Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge has been great this year. Don't, yep. I'm not going to complain about Aaron Judge. But really, John Carlos Stanton and Byron Buxton, really? Over Julio? Really? Really, guys? All right. Enough of that. Uh, let's talk about... The man who Julio unfortunately lost to in the finale last night and his future teammate, potentially, (laughs) Juan Soto. We're going to be talking about the possibility of the Mariners trading for him. Do we think it's possible? Do we think it's not possible? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Should be an interesting conversation, maybe one that uh, 
some of you don't like the answer to. Anywho, first, before we get into all that, this episode of Locked On Mariners is brought to you by Blue Nile. Whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as them with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. Blue Nile has simple online tools that let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as setting style, and Blue Nile's bench jewelers will then handcraft their perfect engagement ring, and each ring will be a one-of-a-kind. Looking for fine jewelry but having trouble choosing? Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7, available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com, and Locked On Mariners listeners get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement jewelry as well. Use promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-D-O-N. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever piece. Go to BlueNile.com today. You're listening to the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you again for making us your first listen of the day, just like you do here every single day, Monday through Friday. Which NFL stars move the betting line the most starting July 18th? Locked On gives you the 50 most valuable players in the NFL from the odds makers over at Bet Online. Available July 18th on Locked On NFL, wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube, just like us. And speaking of Bet Online, they have released their odds for Juan Soto's next team. And we find the Seattle Mariners seventh on the list with plus. 750 odds of landing Juan Soto first Colby what do you think of those odds do you like where the Mariners are at do you not like where they're at what are you feeling I think um first of all I think the odds are are fine you look at who's behind them I I think the Mariners could beat those uh those teams in a trade package uh, with the possible exception of the Braves. So I think the odds are fine. It's just um, the odds in this case don't matter. Like, because you have to remember when, when Bet Online does these odds, they're not pr- trying to predict who Juan Soto is actually going to go to. They're trying to find the line that uh, the most people will bet on. And so I think, you know, the Mariners finishing like seventh in the, in that conversation is about right. They're kind of a middle of the pack. Like they're they're they'd be a popular dark horse for a lot of uh, a lot of fans. So the the odds themselves are fine. It just Juan Soto's not going to be a Seattle Mariner. All right, so let's get into that. Why is Juan Soto not going to be a Seattle Mariner? Just at face value here, as simple as possible. Why is that not going to happen? Because the Seattle Mariners are not Juan Soto away from winning the World Series. I mean, when you really break it down, that's that's what we get to. Does Juan Soto make the Mariners the best team in the American League West even? No, no. And that's not even factoring what you have to give up to get him, which is going to be pieces off of your major league roster. You're probably going to end up falling a little bit further behind the Astros as a result of this trade. And I know you asked for one thing, but now you're going to empty out your farm system. This is it. This is the one move you get to make until Harry Ford and well, you're training Harry Ford until, you know, basically the Cole young, this, this draft class in two years has enough value that you can do it again. So this is your one shot. And, and Soto doesn't make the Mariners a world series contender by his presence alone. He's not the guy to empty out the cabinet for, um, you're it's just, it's too early and he's too expensive. 
so my feeling is on this that I I'm down for it. I'm down more so though if it's in the off season because if they are willing to trade Soto to the Mariners without Julio being involved, which I mean that's like if if it's Julio, if Julio's a part of the ass, that's a non-starter for me. I because at that point, on top of whatever else you would have to give with Julio, to me that's a lateral move. If not, you get worse. Honestly, you yeah. know, and I look, I love Juan Soto. He's a generational talent. Like he's one of the best players in our game right now. But the return on that is likely going to have to include at least one of George Kirby or Logan Gilbert. And that's why I'm not interested today, this summer in the middle of the season, because I'm going to have to trade one of those guys and I'm going to have to trade other significant pieces that I could use to go get George Kirby or Logan Gilbert's replacement in the, in the rotation. So now, cause like that trading one of those guys opens up an even bigger need for me. Mm-hmm. I, I think the, I don't think I'm interested in this winter even because you're still going to have to give up. Uh, Gilbert or Kirby, and yes, it's easier to replace a starting pitcher in the offseason than it is midseason, uh, particularly because you know free agents are a lot cheaper to buy uh, mm-hmm. than, than trading for a starting pitcher um, at the deadline. But I don't think I'm interested because, again, I don't think they're a Juan Soto away. And, and what I'm worried about is that Juan Soto is so expensive in terms of assets that the only way that you can build a complete team around him is to spend $250 million. And I know a lot of people want the Mariners to spend $250 million. Fine. I, I don't care if they do or don't, but they're not going to. And I think we need to be realistic here. I think if you if you just basically dump the farm to get Juan Soto, then you basically have to win a World Series in those two years or you're kind of starting over from scratch because Juan Soto is not signing an extension here. Stop. You can offer him $500 million. He is not signing an, ex- an extension with the Seattle Mariners. He's going to go play for the Dodgers. He's going to play for the Angels. He's going to play for the Yankees. He's going to play for the Mets. He's going to play for the Red Sox. He is the, maybe the Cubs. He is not going to play for the Seattle Mariners. He's not He's not doing that. Let's just be honest about this. I know we want to think that you know players love to come to Seattle. It's not always the case. And it doesn't. it's not easy. It's, it's so easy to say, well, just throw the money at him until he says yes. That's not what you want either. Because now you've now you've dedicated so many resources to this player who, by the way, not a good defender, not a good base runner, elite masher, but he's like 23 years old and he's three years away from being a full time DH. Like that's how bad the defense is right now. So you're going to spend five hundred million dollars on a guy who can impact the game in one area. On top of giving up, you know, Gilbert or Kirby and, and Kelnick and Ford and, and Arroyo and, and probably more Taylor Trammell. Um, you know, I, it like, it's, it's going to cost so much that I don't think it's smart for the Mariners to do that because I don't think that Juan Soto actually helps them get there because honest, honestly, the way I look at this is I think based on what the reported ask of the nationals is so far, I think it's not out of the realm of possibility that the Mariners could go get Brian Reynolds and Pablo Lopez for the same price that they would go and spend on Juan Soto. Wouldn't you rather have Brian Reynolds and Pablo Lopez than Brian Reynolds? Or than uh, Juan Soto? Of course you would. Everybody would. Those are two players that impact you instead of one. And you're probably not going to have to give up Kirby or Gilbert to get either one. So I just, I don't understand that this idea that, oh, well, you know, you just have to go for it now. No, you don't. You don't have to. 
And if the cost was just, you know, hey, we'll give you Arroyo, Ford, Hancock, and, and you know, um, Dollard, like, fine, whatever. Cool. But we're talking about giving up Kirby. We're talking about giving up uh, Julio. We're talking about giving up Gilbert. No, I'm out. Like, the, the most I would be willing to give is Gilbert, straight up. And that's not going to get it done, and nor should it. I'm not saying the Nationals should accept that deal. But the Mariners just shouldn't be interested. It's just one of those things where, like, look, would it be fun? Sure. And is there a cost where you're like, yeah, absolutely, you do that trade? Sure, there is. Is it likely that that cost ever comes down to a point where it's, you know, it's that scenario where you're like, yeah, okay, whatever, that's fine. Mm. No, it's not. Because the Nationals don't have to trade Juan Soto. So we should The Nationals hold all the leverage. We should talk real quick about the ask, the reported ask uh, from the Nationals from John Heyman. And of course, take that with a grain of salt. It is John Heyman. But he says that the Nationals are expected to request a combination of the following for Soto. A team's top four prospects, young major leaguers, and a willingness to take on Patrick Corbin's contract, which is pretty hefty. Um, I, I don't know what the remaining salary is on that, but I, I $69 million, $23 million a year for the next three years. Okay. So I'm that out. on top of team's top four prospects right now, that would be Harry Ford, Edwin Arroyo, Noel V. Marte, and Emerson Hancock. Emerson Hancock. And then young major leaguers, we're talking Kirby, Jerry, George Kirby, Logan Gilbert, Jared Kelnick, maybe Tyler Jamel, mm-hmm. Abraham Toro, Luis Torrens, like. And let's be honest, it's going to be Kirby or or Mark Gilbert, right? And then you have to take on a bad contract for a bad pitcher. Yeah, so that's where like things really get hung up for me is like. On top of all that stuff that you're asking for, you also want me to take on this dead weight, basically. Mm-hmm. I just, it's just, it's so much. It's so much. I love Juan Soto. Again, I love, love, love Juan Soto. I'd be ecstatic if the Mariner for Juan Soto. It'd be amazing. But that is just so much. <laughs> so I don't think any team is going to do that. No. I honestly, I think it would be a fireable offense if Jerry Depoto did it. I don't, and but I, hope, I don't even think like Brian Cashman would do this. I don't think the Dodgers no. would do this. I don't think any team would would feasibly follow right. through I, on this. I think I saw reports, and maybe it was just speculation that the Yankees um, have already told them that like we're not trading Volpe. The Yankees are out. Like Volpe is like the whole thing, and even if they did trade Volpe, they don't. The Yankees don't have the pieces. Like this is like. This is the Herschel Walker trade of the NFL. And remember how well that Herschel Walker trade worked out for the Minnesota Vikings? Oh, yeah, it didn't. So it just built the Cowboys uh, dynasty for them. Mariners aren't in a position to do that. The Mariners don't need Juan Soto. And even if you just think about it from this this year's uh, standpoint, right? It's like, hey, not only are you going to have to go find another starting pitcher to replace, let's say, Gilbert, but you know that you're going to have to shut down Kirby at some point, or at the very least short script him a few times. So now you probably need to go find two starting pitchers. And, you know, like, look, I'm not saying that Mitch Hanniger and Kyle Lewis are anywhere in the same realm of a hitter as um, Juan Soto, but wouldn't you rather have Logan Gilbert 
uh, Kyle Lewis and Mitch Haniger than Juan Soto. Don't you think those three players help you more than this guy does? Because what is what is Soto going to give you over? Oh, what is Soto going to give you over the right field options you have coming back to you over the course of the next sixty-eight games or whatever it is? A win, maybe, maybe one and a half. Now, how many are you going to lose going from Logan Gilbert to you know Jose Quintana? It might be one and a half, two wins. So there's no yeah. guarantee you even come out ahead this year. So it's dumb. Uh, you're whatever you're offering in trade, it's not going to be enough. And if you are offering what would be enough, it's too much. It does yeah. not make sense for Juan Soto to be this with the Seattle Mariners. The only time it'll ever make sense is if Juan Soto ever gets to the rental stage and you can get him for, say, you know, um, Edwin Arroyo for a month, for, for two months. You know what I mean? And at that point, he might be worth it. But right now, he's not. He's too expensive. He's a luxury yeah. the Mariners can't afford. Yeah, I'm out on a midseason deal. I'm completely all the way out on that. Um, off season, I'm open to just listening to the idea about it. But again, I'm the out, price has I'm to come. Entirely. The price has to come down. The price has to come down. Yeah, it's just so I, I, it's I just crippling. can't fathom. Yeah, I just can't fathom the price ever getting to a point where I'm like, yep, do it. It just, I don't see it. All right, so moving on from that, we're going to look at the Mariners draft picks from yesterday. They're rounds four through ten picks, and uh, Colby's got a few players that he has uh, comp to those guys that have been picked by the Mariners. So we'll get into all that in just a moment, but real quick, a reminder, this episode of Locked On Mariners is brought to you by Built Bar. From the people who invented healthy and tasty comes the latest gift to your taste buds. You've probably tried the amazing Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar, but guess what? Your friends Built have given Coconut Brownie Chunk the puffs treatment. That's right, the Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar flavor you love and a deliciously chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate it's like a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness but stop drooling and listen they are good for you we're talking low calorie low sugar high protein and all delicious coconut brownie chunk puffs are only here for a limited time go to built.com right now to make sure you don't miss out they are going fast because they taste amazing all built bars are made with collagen protein which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. The best part about Built Puffs, of course, they taste amazing, but you can enjoy them guilt-free because they are actually good for you. They are the perfect treat, perfect for when you've got a craving, you need to satisfy your sweet tooth, or if you need a quick, healthy snack, they are an excellent source of protein. Delicious coconut, rich, sweet brownie, creamy marshmallow. Stop fantasizing. Get to Built.com to order your box of coconut brownie chunk Built Puffs right now go to built.com use promo code locked 15 that's l-o-c-k-e-d-1-5 for 15% off your order again that's l-o-c-k-e-d-1-5 for 15% off your order at built.com so colby the mariners added seven more prospects to their farm system yesterday they are wrapping up their draft now as we are talking uh but we're going to look just strictly at their day two picks and you have some player comps for each of these guys so we'll just start in order let's start with right-handed pitcher aj izzy out of oswego in illinois what do you got for me yeah obviously i haven't gotten a lot of video on him so i'm relying a lot on uh, secondhand information here um fastball which could play up into the mid 90s uh it's a slider right now that's pretty uh slurvy and there are some who believe that because he's kind of an over over the top straight arm angle uh, type of pitcher that he really could play with the 
with a curveball instead of a slider. Uh, you can still keep the slider, but the curveball could be the the actual out pitch. Um, so I think that uh, in general, the profile when I hear about it and when I read about it, kind of reminds me of former Mariners pitcher Aaron Seeley, um, which uh, is would be a very nice find in in the, in the fourth round. Love Aaron Seeley. Uh, so. Their fifth round pick, number 156, left-handed pitcher Reed Van Scooter, love the name, mm-hmm. from Coastal Carolina. Yeah, definitely a money saver here. Um, I don't know if most teams had him in the top eight, nine, ten rounds. Uh, but when I read the profile, he's lefty, throws strikes, uh, kind of has a four-pitch mix here. Uh, fastball has a little bit more juice than people expect. Uh, I, I hear a lot of former Mariners fifth round pick Ryan Yarbrough in this profile, mm-hmm. so... I think there's a possibility here that the Mariners can can I think I think he's going to pitch very well in the low minors and then mm-hmm. we'll see how he does in double A and triple A. But I think he moves pretty quick to double A. Um could be there by the end of next year, uh possibly, and then we'll see what he does. But I I do hear some Ryan Yarbrough in this profile. And our buddy Will Stone, who was doing the digital over at East Carolina this past season, got to see Van Scooter quite a bit when uh, East Carolina and Coastal Carolina squared off, and uh, he had great things to say. So maybe that's uh, someone to keep an eye on. So let's go to their sixth-round pick, number 186, Josh Hood. Another great name. Shortstop out of North Carolina State. What do you got for me on Josh Hood? Yeah, uh, pretty good bat speed and plus raw power, strong arm, probably a third baseman, but he can handle shortstop in a pinch, uh, can move around a little bit, good athlete. Uh, honestly, the profile reminds me a lot of Dylan Moore, which is this is the sixth round is the appropriate place to take Dylan Moore, not the second round. So um, I, I think that's a that's a fun pick here. We'll see. Uh, he's got a lot of work to do on the swing, but he has natural bat speed and natural power. Strong arm, pretty good runner, uh, good athlete. So this is an interesting pick by Seattle. We obviously stand Dylan Moore around these parts, so we are very One excited of us about this pick. <laughs> 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 All right, so round seven, number uh, two sixteen. We have the best name that the Mariners drafted all all mm-hmm. week, Hogan Windish. That is H O G A N W I N D I S H out of UNC Greensboro. Second baseman, what do you got for me on Hogan Windish? Yeah, uh, this might be my favorite player. Uh, there's a video of him hitting a 480 foot grand slam last summer with a wood bat. So, and obviously the name is awesome. Uh, you know, Jason Churchill, friend of the show, called him Ty France Jr. Um, I'm not willing to go that far, but I certainly understand the 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 uh, the comparison there. He's kind of a thicker second baseman, probably not going to stay at that at that spot, uh, but might be able to handle you know a corner outfield spot, play a little second, play a little third. Um, I think he can hit. I think he's going to hit uh, pretty well here, uh, but because I'm not willing to go nearly as far as as Churchill here, I actually landed on I don't know if you remember this name, Ty, a Ty Wigington comp. Oh, um, yes, I remember. Tom yes, Wigginton. former yeah. Oriole, Tampa Bay Ray, hit about 260, league average on base, 430 uh, slugging. I, I, I think that's a useful player. So I actually think Hogan Windish probably going to end up in my top 30-ish Mariners prospect. I like this pick. All right, so let's move on to their eighth-round pick at number 246, catcher Tatum Levins out of Pittsburgh. Yeah, left-handed stick, got some power. Uh, very CTZ oriented uh, hitter, uh, kind of fringy average behind the plate, getting a little bit better, but he's probably a 45 glove at most there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a bat that you're kind of hoping can stick at catcher. 
I don't know. Sounds a lot to me like former Seattle Mariners backstop Omar Narvaez. So I think this is a, a guy to watch. I'm, I'm a little more optimistic on him after reading and learning about him than I was yesterday. Um, definitely a backup catcher. He's not a guy you want catching 100 games for you. Uh, that could change. He could get better. But uh, I, I think there's some some enough hit tool here and enough power that he could you know play some first base, maybe DH once in a while. It in it seems like an Omar Narvaez uh, clone, I guess uh, for me. Up Narvi, I was sad when they traded Narvi, so I would love to get Narvi back. Yeah. I okay, was I, I was sad. I liked him; he was fun. It's good. <laughs> All right, so uh, and he actually fixes uh, catching a little bit in in Milwaukee. At least temporarily. <laughs> I don't know he's how he's doing. Fringe average. Yeah, he's yeah. okay. So in the ninth round, pick 276, Tyler Guff, right-handed pitcher. What do you got for me on him? Yeah, I couldn't really think of a major league comp. Right now it's a bunch of 50s, um, but there's upside. Clearly he's 18 years old, um, and the fastball could get up to 96, 97. The Mariners are pretty good at that. Uh, so I don't really have like a major league comp for him quite yet, but the one thing I did – find when i was studying him um he reminds me a lot like i see why the mariners really like him because he reminds me a lot of the michael morales comp from uh, the last draft so i think it's possible they may have added another michael morales type of pitcher and if that's the case that means this time next year he's going to be top 15 in the system assuming that they can get him signed yeah we'll uh, see if they're able to pull that off but typically i mean historically speaking the, the mariners have never really wasted a top 10 pick on a guy that they no. didn't feel confident they could sign. So mm-hmm. uh, I would say that there's a pretty good chance just basing that off of a uh, track record for the Mariners. All right. So finally right. in the 10th round at pick three Oh six, the Mariners have drafted an outfielder out of Mercer. And the last time they did that, it worked out pretty well for them. What do you got for me on bill Knight? Uh, yes. The uh, Lewis to bill knight very uh boring <laughs> names but uh no he's about six foot one about 200 pounds pretty good athlete and surprisingly good numbers he was actually going to transfer to Ole miss uh or sorry uh, mississippi state which is a, a pretty good baseball program uh from mercer um in 2022 he had 337 with uh, 17 home runs and 19 doubles There's some legitimate pop here so um i i think you know, he's probably drafted about where he should have gone. Uh, kind of reminds me a little bit of Mariners 2021 draft pick, Colin Davis. Um, mm. Kind of a smaller school guy, some really good numbers, good athlete. I don't think he's going to, I think he's probably headed to a corner, but I think he's going to be pretty good in there. So um, I, I think that's kind of maybe he's often Slater. Um, but uh, mm. I think that's a that's an interesting guy, and and I like I said, it's it's probably he went about where he was supposed to go. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think I think Bill Knight probably doesn't crack my top thirty, but he's he's a really interesting player. Have to keep an eye on him. You know, guy like Colin Davis was someone that we overlooked at the draft last year, and and now he's kind of become a, a guy to watch in, in the Mariners system. So maybe Bill Knight will also follow that same kind of plan. 
All right. Well, we are out of time here on today's episode of Locked On Mariners, but thank you so much for joining us here. For Colby Patnode, I'm Tidy Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow Inside the Mariners at Inside Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez. It's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z and Colby at CPAT11. That's C-P-A-T-1-1. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode, whether you're listening or watching it. Thank you again for making us your first listen of the day, just like you do here every single day. And uh, now make your second listen of the day locked on MLB prospects. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts just like us. And with that, have yourself a beautiful baseball day. We'll see you tomorrow. Peace.